Jesus Christ is going to talk to you again through him. And I find this to be a really interesting uh, title. It says, God's message to a nation. Do you know we're a nation? We're a spiritual nation. So to give us this message, Steve Andrews. Thank you, Ron. And greetings, and greetings to anyone that has tuned in today and listening in on our service and um, worshiping with us. I hope, um, I think that uh, they also put the songs up when uh, it's on. I'm, I'm, and so I'm hoping that uh, you get a chance to sing with us too. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's enjoyable to be here and uh, have an opportunity to to worship together, to hear God's word. And one of the things that um, my wife was mentioning to me this morning um, was she was asking me if I was in some kind of contest. And uh, the contest she was asking me for was, uh, are, you, are you in the, in the silver-haired group of Samson's long hair? contest. You know, she always hints. I mean, it's, sometimes it's subtle. You know, you look like a buffalo. Or, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's really, you know, like this one. <laughs> so anyway, maybe next time I'll have uh, my ears trimmed back a little bit. Anyway, uh, I was one of the one of the books that is so profound, and the reason why I like the Bible that I have, is because in the Old Testament, anytime God is talking, it's all in red. And if you, if you go to the book of Ezekiel, if you were to have my Bible, it's, it's red everywhere almost. Every page is red, red, red. Because God told Ezekiel to, to tell, you know, the Israelites, this is what he wants them to know. And even though he was sitting on the bank of a river, Kibar, as a prisoner, essentially, God came to him in visions, powerful ones to boot, as in the portable throne with all the angels and everything. You want to find out what an angel looks like? The first chapter of Ezekiel will tell you what angels look like. But it's very interesting. And, and so I was, I was thinking, as I began to read through this, God has a message. And the message is to his nation, Israel. But we could also take that message to our nation, and take it to heart. The first area that I like to, to look at is God's view of judgment. And, it, and it's found in chapter 18 of the book of Ezekiel. And it's very, very profound in what God says about his feeling of judgment. The word of the Lord came to me again saying, verse 1, 
what mean you that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are on edge? As I live, says the Lord God, you shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also is the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. Whoa. So we are put in a very profound position, aren't we? God owns us. Lock, stock, and soul barrel, whatever you want to call um, and believe, and I, I'm looking at this. This is all red. I mean, I know you can't see it, but it's all red. So what is we? What are we looking at? The words of God, the powerful words of God, as He is speaking. I want to skip down now to verse nine, uh, and He's talking about. Um, and I'm just breaking into this, has walked in my statutes and has kept my judgments to deal truly, he is just, he shall surely live. So those who are walking in the statutes and his judgments to deal truly, he is just, he shall surely live. If, his, if, if he father a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, that does, uh, uh, that does the like to any uh, one of these things, and that does not in any of those duties, but even has eaten upon the mountains and defiled his neighbor's wife, has oppressed the poor and needy, has spoiled by violence, has not restored the pledge, and has lifted up his eyes to the idols and committed abominations, has given forth upon usury, and has taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. She shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Now, I want to go to verse 20. He says, Now, lo, if he fathers a son that sees all his father's sins, which he has done, and considers and does not the such like, that has not eaten upon the mountains, neither has uh, lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, has not defiled his neighbor's wife, neither has oppressed any, has, has not withheld the pledge, neither has spoiled by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry, has covered the naked with a garment, that has taken off his hand from the poor, uh, that he has not received usury nor increase, and has ex executed my judgments, and has walked in my statutes, he shall not die, for the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. And so, God is saying, now we're going to work with individual people. No matter whether it's the son or the father, the, the sins of the, of the two are, uh, and, and the righteousness uh, will stay with the righteous and the sins with the sinner. And we shall see again something very, very profound as we see here, because it's very New Testament and what is said. And in fact, as, I, as Ken was reading, I began to realize, because Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees, the things, and then he did get taught by Jesus. And so a lot of the things that, he's, that he brought out were new. But if you were reading some of the words here, you realize 
he understood <laughs> all these words because he had grown up with them. He had been taught in the synagogues. He had probably read Ezekiel more than once, probably several times, and had it in his heart and his mind. And so when we, <clears throat> when we read through the Old Testament, we look at these things, we realize that these, like Paul and Peter and them, they, they had a background in the Word of God. The Scriptures is what they called the Scriptures at that time because there was no New Testament. And it was being written and being, you know, many years later. And so all of this was understood. I don't know whether, I, I put these in, uh, in order that I had them. So I think I'm going to go ahead and read Ezekiel, and I'll read the New Testament scriptures. And you kind of put them in, into the order in which I've been reading them. So I'm going to give you a little challenge here, okay? Let's go over to, to verse 23 in Ezekiel. Have I any pleasure that all that are wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? But when the righteous turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations of the wicked, man, does, does, shall he live? All his righteousness shall he, that he has done shall not be mentioned in his trespass that he has trespassed and his sin that he has sinned. Uh, in them shall he die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. That word equal actually means not just. Not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way just? Are not, my, are not your ways unjust or unequal? As it says, in, I think, in the King James. When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and dies of them for his iniquity that he has done, shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turns away from his wickedness that he has committed, and does that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. So what are we talking about? In the New Testament, it's called repentance, <laughs> isn't it? It's called uh, not going after the way of the world, living this righteous way, and if you are going that way, you can change and you can repent and you can overcome that. So all of this is looking, you know, to what uh, the apostles, Jesus and the apostles brought for us to understand later. But it's already in the scriptures. Because he considers and turns um, heathen in, oops, better miss that one. Uh, because he considers and turns away from all his transgressions that he has committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. And we're, we're talking now um, into the future. We're talking about eternal life because death and, you know, there's those that are not going to repent, that are not going to make it, they're going to be in the lake of fire. There are those that are going to repent and they're going to change their life and they're going to be in the kingdom. 
And so I think all the way back there, they understood that. In fact, Jesus even said that, didn't he? He says, you do err. You don't even know <laughs> all about this. Because it's written. Yes, says the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal or just. <clears throat> o house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not my ways, are not your ways unequal or unjust? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Boy, that is so profound. So that iniquity or sin shall not be your ruin. When you realize, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that it's in red, and what you're reading is being put into your mind and your heart, it's a profound statement. Repent, turn yourselves from your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed. Make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And we might say, why would you die, O uh, church of God? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, says the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live you. Now, like I said, as I was reading through that, were you able to follow some of these scriptures? Let's go now to John, the seventh chapter. As Jesus says this, you know, in one time he said, you know, judge not so that you won't be judged. But he also, he also makes this statement in 724. Because I think this is important to understand because there is a time when we might need to actually judge. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. How many times in our news media have they gotten it wrong recently and had to, you know, step back and say, whoops, and some of them don't, and they continue to, to you know, to, to lie about it. But this is important for us. Judge not according to the appearance. Make sure that you get all the facts. And then, if you do have to judge, but judge, judge righteous judgment. You are a righteous person. <laughs> you are a law-abiding, law God-fearing person. You should be able to judge righteously. You should be able to judge things rightly. In Mark, the fourth chapter, We've read some other scriptures recently that I'm not going to go through because um, they would be just redundant. I wanted to bring some new ones in. 4 verse 17. Oh, Matthew 4 verse I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote it down, and I, I, I read, misread it twice. <laughs> uh, Jesus, after he had gone through the... Um, his trial 
with Satan, the first thing that he preached was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you can find that in the other Gospels also. Repent, change, overcome this world, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And just like we just read, live, don't die, live, that you might be a part of that kingdom. In Mark, the second chapter, In verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Later on, one of the apostles says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that was Paul also. It was Paul. And then also later on it says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So we're always needing to look at ourselves and repent from the things that we are sinful in. And sometimes we do have faults and sins that kind of follow us through our life and we need to look at overcoming those. Mark, I mean Luke, the 15th chapter. Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning in verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, that likewise, Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety and nine just people, just persons, which need no repentance. When God calls and brings an individual into his way, and he sees in that heart and the, and the, the change in their life, it is a rejoicing. And we should rejoice also in that. We should be excited and and, and joyous that one person would change their life and become um, a changed person and repent of the things that they've done against God. It's not against us. It's against God. uh, David said that. Against you only have I sinned and done this evil in in your sight. So when we come to the idea of repentance, it's not... We're not asking, you know, you and me, and we're asking God to forgive us. Repentance is towards God. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, verse 8, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which, I was, which it was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. That's pretty magnificent. That's pretty magnificent. That's, that's a wonderful thought. When you come up out of that watery grave and those 
you know, they laid hands on or, and asking God's blessing and the Spirit is there. You need to realize those angels are rejoicing and singing because of your repentance and because of your change. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack. And I love, I, I love this scripture here because it kind of gives me a, a feeling of understanding of the things that God is doing. And, it's, and you, you sometimes wonder, wow, all of this evil that's going on in the world, why isn't he coming back right now? And then you read this. And I'll read verse 8. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack, verse 9, concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all that all should come to repentance. And that's the reason why there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing in heaven when one repents. Let's go back to Ezekiel now, and let's go and look at a history lesson. I don't know how many of you are familiar with how many times the lesson is repeated about the past of Israel, but just about everywhere that they begin to teach, God begins to teach, or someone begins, it's like, Let's go and let's talk about the beginning. Let's talk about what happened, why this happened. And so when we come to Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, it's a history lesson. <laughs> and he gives this history boldly because it's God's word. In verse 1 it says, And it came to pass in the seventh year, in the 15th, 50th month, 50th, month, not 50th month, 5th month, the 10th day of the month, the certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then came the word of the Lord to me, saying, Son of man, speak to these elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Are you come to inquire of me as I live, says the Lord God? I will not inquire, be inquired by you. Whoa. <laughs> All right, guys. You've had your chance. <laughs> I'm not going to. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers? And say to them, thus says the Lord God, in the day when I chose Israel and lifted my hand to the seat of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted my hand to them saying, I am the Lord your God, in that day I lifted my hand to them to bring them forth into the land of Egypt in the land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Then said I to them, Cast you away, every man, the abominations of his eyes, and, not, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So I gave him the Ten Commandments. <laughs> 
But they rebelled against me and would not hearken to me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to, acknowledge, uh, to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name. I acted for my name. This word wrought actually means acted. I acted for my name's sake. And I guess this whole chapter could be for my name's sake. Because he trusted in them to be his people, to bring them out of that bondage and to to bring them into a promised land. He trusted in them to obey his way. And he put his very name on them, which we have. We are the church of God. We believe in the Lord God. We believe in in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in those things. And so, he acted. But I, I acted for my namesake. That I should not be pollute, that it should not be polluted before the heathen among them, whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore I cast them, uh, I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt, and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall. Uh, even live in them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. So the Sabbaths, if you want to go to Leviticus 23, right at the beginning, it is the Lord's days, appointed times, Moad, you go through all of that. You could look at that up. You could understand that he gave those, not just to Israel, but for all of mankind to understand, because it is his days that he selected, my, his Sabbaths. He says, my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. That sanctifies them, that means to make them holy. Peter says, God, and quotes God, you be holy because I am holy. All of us here are to be holy because God is holy. And we are followers of the Father and the Son. We believe in them. We believe in the words that are written. I won't turn to those two scriptures that I've got, but you can write them down. Leviticus 23, which is the whole whole. The whole thing, uh, the plan of God laid out and what God uh, sets forth for us. And then 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. Let's go to, uh, to no, let's pick it back up in verse 13 now. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walk not in my statues. They despise my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my sa- Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. 
but I wrought, or I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sight I brought them out. Yet also I lifted up my hand to them in the wilderness that they would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all the lands. Because they despised my judgments and walked not after my statutes, but polluted my Sabbaths, their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them from destroying them, neither did I make an end to them in the wilderness. But I said to their children in the wilderness, Walk you not in the statutes of your father, fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And again, verse 20, And hollow, hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. It is still an important sign between his people, his Sabbaths, his holy days, his Sabbath. And all of those holy days are an important sign between us and God. Notwithstanding the children of rebelled against me, they walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and acted for my name's sake that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen in whose sight I brought them forth. I lifted my hand to them also in the wilderness that I should scatter them among the heathen and disperse them through the countries because they had not executed my judgments but had despised my statutes, polluted my Sabbaths, and their eyes were after their father's idols. Whereupon I gave them also statutes that were not good and judgments whereby they should not live. And I polluted them in their own gifts in the day in that they caused to pass through the fire all that opens the womb that might make them desolate to the end, that they might know that I am the Lord. And so God allowed them to go ahead and have the idols to do the sacrifices by killing their own children. And here we find this society that is bent on killing the next generation. He says, Therefore, son of man, speak to the house of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blaspheming, blaspheming me that they have committed a trespass against me. For when I brought them into the land for the which I had lifted my hand to give it to them, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered there their sacrifices uh, there that they presented the provocation of their offering and there also they made their sweet savor and poured out their, uh, their, their drink offerings. Then I said to them, What is the high place, or that shrine, wherein do you go? And the name thereof is called uh, Bama to, to this day, or shrine, or high place. Why say, to the house of, uh, why say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Are you polluted after the manner of your fathers, and commit you whoredom after your abominations? For when you offer your gifts, when you make your 
sons pass through the fire. You pollute yourselves with all your idols, even into this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? And it's interesting that he says this, isn't it? <laughs> it's interesting that he says this very thing. Because I, I stopped right there. I thought, yeah, that's exactly what's going on in our society today. He says, um, let's see. Okay, here's, 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 and I, I polluted them, all right, um, in their own gifts, in that they caused to pass through the fire all that opens the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end that they might know that I am the Lord. Um, there was one word that just couldn't stuff, stuff, uh, stuck out there, and I... Um, Anyway, I'll go on. I'm sure he says it more than once. <laughs> Therefore, son of man, speak to the house of Israel. Say to them, thus says the Lord God, and your fathers have blasphemed me in, in this, and they have committed trespasses against me. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I should have been in verse, what verse have you gone up? 20, 31 is where I should have been. That's why I got lost. <laughs> All right. For when you offer your gifts, when you make your son's to pass through the fire, you pollute yourselves with your idols, and even to this day, and I shall be inquired by, uh, by you, O house of Israel. So, <laughs> it's interesting, you pollute yourselves. You make yourselves polluted by the sins that you commit. God was very honest with Israel. Of course, they were in captivity at the time, but he was very honest with these men that came to sit and wanted to inquire of the Lord. And he says, hey, you've polluted yourselves. You've polluted the whole nation because of your sinfulness and what you're doing. And that which comes into your mind shall not be at all that you say. We will be as the heathen, as the families of the countries to serve wood and stone. As I live, says the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will I rule over you. <clears throat> and that is an important word. Because right there there's a break and now we have a prophecy. We have a look into the future because even though they were able to build a temple None of this actually got totally fulfilled. And they came back into the promised land, but none of this that we're going to talk about here has truly been fulfilled. It's not going to happen until into the kingdom. He says, I, God, with a mighty hand and with stretched out arm and with, and with fury poured out, will I rule over you. I'll bring you out of the people, will gather you out of the countries, wherein you are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face. Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, 
So I plead with you, and I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that trespass against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they have sojourned, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and I shall know, and they shall know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, go you, serve you, every one of your idols, and hereafter also, if you will not hearken to me, but pollute you, my holy name, no more with your gifts and with your idols. For in my holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, says the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me. There will I accept them, and there will I require their offerings and the first fruits of their oblations with all their holy things. I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein you have been scattered, and I will, um, I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I have lifted up my, ma my hand to give it to your fathers. And there shall you remember your ways and your, um, and your doings wherein you have defiled, and you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all the evils that you have com committed. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have wrought or when I have uh, acted with you for my name's sake not according to, to your wicked ways, nor according uh, to your corrupt doings of your house of Israel, O house of Israel. Let's go to, um, let's drop down. Um, I've already read all the way through where I wanted to end. Let's, let's go over to Ezekiel, the 37th chapter real quick. This is it's very important to understand what God is doing. Now, this is the, the Valley of Dry Bones, but I want to skip that first part because everybody pretty much knows and knows the song. Uh, this bone goes onto this bone, and that goes onto that bone, and so, you know, you know that particular part. Beginning in verse 14, let's go to, let's, let's think about this a little bit. Verse 14. And, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live. Um, verse 13, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your uh, graves, O my people, and brought you out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Moreover, you son of man, take you one stick and write upon it, Judah, for Judah, and for the children of Israel, his companions. And then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for the house of Israel, his companions. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in your hand. And when the children of your people shall speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them, such says the Lord, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, and I will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. And the sticks whereupon you write shall be in your hand before your, their eyes. And say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, where they 
they be gone, and I will gather them uh, every one and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be their king to them all, and they shall no more be two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more. <laughs> well, they, they claim that they're Israel, but we know that the majority of those people that are in um, what is called Israel are, are, are Jews or of the tribe of Judah. And we know for a fact that the majority of the Israelites, the northern ten tribes, were scattered uh, throughout uh, the nations and probably moved west into Great Britain, the United States, maybe into Australia. So we know that those things happen and they're still scattered in different places and we know that there's going to be a time when he's going to gather all of these at that time and bring them into the promised land along with his own with with a lot of things that we probably don't quite understand yet. So let me continue to read what God and this is by the way this is all in red also. <laughs> this is all what God is saying. He says, neither shall they defile uh, any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I'll save them out of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned. Will cleanse them, so shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they, shall, they all uh, shall have one shepherd. They shall all walk in my judgments and serve my statutes and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, wherein my, your fathers have dwelled. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David will be their prince over, uh, for, uh, their prince forever. How do you do that? Well, you resurrect David out of the grave and put him in charge. Give him the power. And of course, Jesus will be there as king of kings and lord of lords. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. This shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them. And so when we go over to the book of Isaiah and we read those words in that and in chapter 2, we see something very interesting. It shall come to pass, verse 2, in that day is that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations shall flow unto it. So we have um, God setting up his kingdom, his people, uh, to, to rule. And many people shall go and say, come you. And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. I want to be a part of that. I know you do too. I want to be there when that day comes, when the heathen and those that are around about come to learn the truth about God's Sabbaths, about his truth about his way of life and when all of the hatred and the different things and the wars are ended and he in 
judgment is given among the nations and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning. Why do you think they do that? Because they're going to repent. They're going to see their evil way. And they're going to understand, as we have come in our own life, at one point in our own life, that we were walking in the wrong way. We were walking against God. We were against God. And that's why they're going to do that. They're going to be so sorrowful of what they have done that they are going to get out and they're going to get rid of all of the armaments and everything and they're going to live a peaceful life. They're going to beat all that stuff into, into, you know, into things that bring peace. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come you and let us walk in the light of the Lord.